Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. We're not done yet. Let's get every hand in the air. If you're not comfortable lifting up your hands, lift them up anyway. Lord, we give you our worship today because you are a worthy God. You are our God. You are our Jesus. You're the Holy Spirit of the living God. You're our Holy Spirit. We worship you, Lord, today. You're the worshiped. We're the worshipers. And Lord, we give you our worship and we give you our praise. Tell them that you open up your heart to them today. Tell them right now. Tell him that you open your mind to him today. Not to me, relax. Not to me. Say to the Holy Ghost right now that I open up my heart to you, Lord. I open up my mind to you, Lord. I open up my spirit to you, Lord. Influence me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Convict me, Lord. Encourage me, Lord. Bring your joy and your happiness into my life today, Lord. Bring your courage to me today. I'm ready, tell him I'm ready for you, Holy Spirit. And we say yes to you, Lord. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and yes, yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, we desire you more than anything and more than anybody, and you are welcome to rule and to reign and to have your way in this place today. In Jesus' mighty name, church shouts. Amen and amen, be seated. Praise you, Lord, today. Man, we're quick clappers, you know, it's like, We're such white people, we can only do one thing at one time. Does he talk like that all the time? Yeah, don't care anymore. It's already over for me. Once you learn that you're never gonna be accepted if you actually stand in the word of God, you don't worry about it anymore. You just stand in the word of God and be, I'd rather be accepted by him. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Amen. Amen. Praise you, Lord, today. Praise you, Lord, today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. I've been preaching about this for a while. I've been mentioning it for a while. Jeff, if you don't control that that water bottle, I'm going to go suicidal in just a second. There you go. Multiple clickings already. But I've been talking about this for a while, but I've never actually read you all the verses Some of you probably have already studied it. It's talking about being the restraining. Here it is. Let no one deceive you, starting in verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 3 through 8. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Now understand what that says right there. It doesn't just say that he opposes and exalts himself above our God. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is even called God. He puts himself above all religions. And we know that there's only one true God, but he is so bold that he even says to the Hindu, don't bother with the cows anymore, look at me. He says to the Muslims, don't bother with Muhammad anymore, look at me. The World Economic Forum right now, especially a man by the name of Yavel Noah Harari, is saying that the human beings have entered into the divine. 
These are the very people that want everybody to be vaccinated, want everybody to wear masks, and want to concentrate on limiting carbon, carbon emissions, CO2 emissions. It's all about controlling people. And, now they, and he actually said that Jesus being resurrected, resurrected from the dead is fake news. This is where all the leaders in the world are flying to, just so you know. That's where they, Tom, this is politics against. Not politics, folks. It is the book of Revelation. You say that every week because it's true. This is unfolding right before your very eyes is the book of Revelation. When you have somebody who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. That's the abomination of desolation. Now that, in my opinion, we will see, we will see the onset of the Antichrist. We won't see the Antichrist ministry come to fruition. We'll be gone before then. We'll be raptured, Revelation chapter 14. Before that, but we will be able, in my opinion, to spot the Antichrist. You should already be able to spot the Antichrist spirit. Beast one, beast two, you should be able to spot the spirit. If you don't, you're gonna be deceived. If you don't, you can be destroyed for lack of knowledge. Man, this is a serious message. We were all in the water just a minute ago. Yeah, that's serious business too. And I'm wet. Paul continues on, he says in verse five, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. He who restrains is the body of Christ. That's you and I, we are to be restraining, restraining the Antichrist spirit, no matter where it's at. Right now we have more of a global mindset, but the Antichrist spirit is everywhere. You, if it, you can see it in relatives when they come into your home. There's the Antichrist. You know it. You can sense it. That was the problem. You know that the Bible hasn't been preached for a long time when the church has absolutely no idea what to do with the 99.9% survival virus. They have no idea what to even do with it because they don't know the voice of the Spirit. They don't know the siren song of the Spirit. They don't go, you know what, that smells like sulfur to me. They don't know it. And see, that's not just, again, in a World Economic Forum global mindset. That's about everyday life, too. You need to be able to spot things. You know what? That's not of the Spirit of God. Husband says, you know, I want to usher in Margarita Fridays into the house. Antichrist! You know what? I think, you know, we got this brand new boat, and I think it's time for us to start enjoying God and nature. Just happens to be every Sunday morning. Antichrist! How do you know if it's Antichrist? Jesus is the word, so if, if it's anti the Bible, then it's the Antichrist. It's an Antichrist spirit. It's a demonic spirit, or it's a carnal nature. You're welcome. You're like, what did I walk into this morning? If you're new, this is, this is, they're all used to this. See, we should be, we should be thumping the Bible in the church. You're like, well, people won't stay. That's not the goal. The goal is to preach the word. 
instantly, whether it's popular or not. 2 Timothy 4, 2. That's what we do. Verse 6. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. We always win. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Understand this. I want you to get this. In every scenario of your life, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, you are called to outright victory. Not a mysterious victory. Not a, vi not a victory where you go, you know what? Once we get to heaven and we're all dead, then we'll understand that we won. People are going to be coming out wet, everybody, so just stay with me. If you're wondering, if you came in late, if you're wondering why everybody's coming out wet, it's not some weird thing. We just baptized them in this giant tank up here. So what does it mean to be the restraining? I can talk about it all I want, but what does it mean to be the restraining? Now, here's what the, now this is the mindset that too many of us get into, including me. We often think that the restraining solely means that we say no to things. Well, you know, God is in a list of do's and don'ts. That's a lie. Antichrist. See, how are you afraid to amen that? You ever read the Bible? The Bible is nothing but do and don't. Whenever you hear preachers start to preach, well, we've moved beyond our Christianity being a list of do's and don'ts. Watch it. Because what they're doing is watering down the gospel to try to accommodate people so that they're successful, so that, so that all their pews are full. That's what they're trying. That's not the goal. You are to preach the word. People walk out, they walk out. You know that I'm leading the nation in that. I know, like, I looked around the room last week as I confronted people. What did Jesus do? Jesus went to his own disciples and said, You gonna leave too? He just let it lay? No. You think I'm gonna let some wackadoo stand over here and stare me down? No. God is a God of, God is a God, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. You want to be a wackadoo in this place? You're going to survive about three seconds, and you're going to head out that back door. Even if it's by force, and even if it's me that's doing it. And even if I have to get help to do it. I will protect the people of God. You see, people, here's another thing, too. People get offended when you want them to take their babies out. Get ready now. I don't see any in here right now, so cleared out all the babies. They want to get, they get offended by it. Never come back, so pastors won't do it. See, those people are a zero-sum game. What do I mean by that? If you are so implosive, if you are so self-consumed that you sit in a pulpit or you sit in the pew and your baby is crying, laughing, giggling, running all over the place, and it ruins the experience of people around you and it doesn't bother you at all, you have a problem. You are a self-centered, self-consumed, impulsive person. Now you're like, yeah, but if you accommodate them, they'll stay. No, they won't. Because the moment that you stop accommodating them, they're gone. And the moment that you don't actually confront the thing they want confronted, they'll be gone. 
So they're fine with babies running around, but what is it that bothers them? Something will come up that bothers them. And if you don't take care of it, like they're expecting you not to take care of, their, of, of them and get rid of them out of the service. But as soon as something bothers them, they want it taken care of. And if you don't, they'll leave anyway. That's how people are. So there's no point. You might as well have be, be scorched earth. Like I am. That's it. I'm telling you, I, I know I've been doing this for a long time. You can accommodate and accommodate and accommodate. All people do is end up circulating throughout your church until they go to the next one. They never grow. They never plant seeds. They never discover their ministry. They just get accommodated from one church to another. So all the pastors go, hey, we're growing. Don't do it. So what does it mean to be the restraining? It does mean to say no to things. But it also means to say yes to things. It doesn't invalidate the yeses, and it doesn't invalidate the noes. It's both. It's like faith and works. One without the other, which we'll get into in just a minute, is dead. Works without faith is dead. Faith without works is dead because they're not mutually exclusive. They are interwoven together, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. It means to say no. And it means to say yes. Let's look at it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 22. Here's a list. The Bible's not all, you know, Christianity is not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. Yes, it is. Pretty much anything that you're hearing in the modern church, disregard. Disregard it. Well, I found a new revelation of grace. Puke fest. A new revelation of grace that lets them live in sin. You're going to be shocked on the day of judgment. Well, I'm a Calvinist. You're not going to be judged according to John Calvin. You're going to be judged with the righteous judge. For we must all appear before. You know what all means? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. That's only Jesus talking in John chapter 5, 28 and 29. You ever hear, the, you ever hear those words in the modern church? Resurrection of condemnation. See, that's why they couldn't deal with COVID. They don't act in the word of God. It's not quick. It's not powerful. It's not sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it's just basically a floating feather in the wind. Wherever it goes, it goes. There's no yeses, there's no noes, there's no absolutes. And they, and they believe that it's, a, that it's some sort of, of exposition of grace to not have absolutes. And now look where this country is because the light of the world, the city that is set on a hill, is not leading by example. There's no absolutes in the church either anymore. It is here, it is at the river. It is a revival today. It is an Archer Pulaski's church. There's absolutes there, and they're the only ones who stood. We're supposed to be the restraining. You can't restrain and comply at the same time. You can't restrain and acquiesce at the same time. You can't restrain and capitulate at the same time. You can't restrain anything that you're imitating. And it's not going to end. Listen, it's not going to end with COVID. Now they're coming with climate. So I'm going to be able to use all my CCC words again. 
COVID, COVID, COVID caving clergy, COVID caving Christians. Now it'll be climate caving Christians, climate caving clergy, climate caving churches. See, because you will have to make a decision right then and there. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. See, because there's consequences in standing in the truth. But there's worse consequences to abiding in lies. But people would rather abide in lies because they're afraid of the consequences of the truth. What will people think? We live in a twilight zone now. you You have to deny that which you see with your very eyes or you're not popular. You're not accepted. You, will be, you have to deny what you see with your very eyes. You have to deny what you hear with your very ears. You have to deny facts that are right in front of your face to be accepted, to be considered to be compassionate. You're not compassionate if you don't get, you know, call people by their preferred pronouns. Think about that just being jammed down people's throats right now. You will deny what you see with your eyes and you will call me that which I want to be called. Otherwise, you are not a loving person. You'll see that all the time. You'll see see the trans community, the homosexual community come out and say, I thought you were Christians. Yeah, I am. I'm not gonna lie and say that you're a girl when you're a guy and you're a guy when you're a girl. I'm not going to do that. It's not compassionate to lie to you. And by the way, if you strap a mask on, you're lying. The 2022 swastika. You should have heard when I said that at the river the other night, about 2,500 people standing in front of me, and I dropped the 2022 swastika, sucked the life right out of the, <gasps> I'm like, that's right. And it's, just, it's, just, it's just conformity to a lie. It doesn't do anything, so why are you wearing it? A vaccine mandate to stop transmission predicated on a vaccine that doesn't stop transmission? What's the point? So by doing it, you're denying facts. You're denying truth so that you're accepted. It's not politics. It's not politics. It's right versus wrong. It's good versus evil. You don't look at something and say, you know what, there it is and there it isn't. It is or it isn't. If it isn't, say that it isn't. If it is, say that it is. Life is not hard, but what will people think? Why is that entered into your mind? For do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I can't be a bondservant, a slave of God if I'm worried about pleasing people. You don't do it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 22. Here's a list. Oh, the Bible, it's not do's and don'ts, yeses and no's. There's no list. That's all a lie. Bible is a bunch of lists. Pray without ceasing. Number one. No, number two. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, number three, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all, even 
an appearance of evil. Doesn't say to abstain from evil, although you have to. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so you know, I want to make that clear every service. If you're living in sin, I don't care how many sinner's prayers you said. The unrighteous will not, don't, do you not know, this was written to Christians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 and 10, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Written to Christians. Why was that, I wonder? Because everywhere Paul went, the religious people followed him, told people they had to be circumcised, ran down the grace of God, and preached heresy right behind him. So he had to come in and constantly fix it. That's the thorn in his flesh. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, it's not some sort of eye ailment that he needed an eye salve for, which is just mythology inside the body of Christ. Oh, the thorn in his flesh is this. Well, I believe. Well, there it goes. Instead of I believe, how about I read? There's no malady mentioned in there. Amen. So on that list that I just read you, oh, here's the thing on that. Back to the thorn in the flesh. You're like, you just go all over the place. Yeah, wherever the beautiful mind takes me, whatever tributary it goes. (laughs) He says the word infirmity. Oh, then he had a sickness. Wrong translation. It's not what infirmity means. It's not what the Greek word infirmity or the Jewish word infirmity means. It has nothing to do with a physical ailment. It has to do with people problems. And what was he talking about in that chapter? The very thing that I just told you. All these religious people. He preached in a synagogue. They follow up afterwards telling telling everybody the exact, exact opposite in the name of Jesus. That was his thorn in the flesh. So in that list that I just read you, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22, there was three no's and four yeses. There's a list. We have to say yes to things to be the restraining. We have to say no to things to be the restraining. One does not devalue the other. I've told you this many times. I had a woman lead the church because I said Jesus wasn't omnipresent. He chose not to be omnipresent. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. John 16, 7 and 8. Why? So the omnipresence of the Holy Ghost could come in. And so that each and every one of us would be empowered. If not, each and every one of us would have to go to some sort of Christianized Mecca every year to go see Jesus. Now we are the temples of the Holy Ghost. So she, gets, she leaves. She only attended about once a month anyway and didn't tithe. Big loss for me. Everybody always, oh man, I'm leaving. I'm going to show them. How does it show me? You don't give and you don't attend. What, now that you're no longer attending that which you never attended, how does that affect me? Except that you've just told me that you're never going to attend anymore as if you ever attended. So you're no longer going to attend that which you never attend. Well, thank you. Good to know. Thank you for letting me know. Don't bother with the text. I thought you were already gone anyway. 
Let's look at another list. Exodus 23 through 17, the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor, you shall not murder. You honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not, you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet. List eight no's and two yeses. Well, I don't believe Christianity is a list of do's and don'ts. It's because you, your Christianity is not the Bible. And your Christianity has to be the Bible. Or it's not Christianity. Just so you know. Well, I'm about to divorce my husband. Really? Did he commit adultery? Matthew 5, Matthew 19. Did, or I'm about to, I'm about to divorce my, my wife. She committed adultery? Well, then you ain't divorcing nobody. Or you'll live in perpetual adultery with anybody you have a relationship with for the rest of your life. That's the Bible. Why, why is it? I'm not talking about those of you who divorced three times before you got saved. You're good. <laughs> you always got to listen. You got to know where people are going to pull you aside. And say, hey, I just got to ask you. You're good. My wife took off in the middle of the night 10 years ago. I haven't seen her since, so I, I divorced her. You're good there, too. If she deserts you, you're good to go there, too. Just like the people who know what the Bible is. Getting divorced because you don't communicate or you fell out of love? Modern church heresy. And you will be held accountable for it. You're welcome. See, I'm trying, I'm, listen, you may not like my style, but I'm telling you the bridge is out. All the other pastors let you drive right over while they're nice to you. Hey, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. Love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. And I tell people I love them all the time. They get some false impression that I'm mean and prickly. I'm not. It's just Bible. Everything's Bible. I want, what do I, where do I stand on healing? The Bible. Where do I stand on prosperity? Do I believe that every Christian is supposed to be rich? Yes. Why? Because the Bible says so. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So he became poor for you just like he became sin for you, so why are you poor? I'm poor because of this and I'm poor because of that. It's because you're plugged in to the world's economic system. You start tithing. You start giving your finances over to God. You'll be like me and you'll have one financial miracle after another. I'm not after your money. If I was after your money, would I preach the way I preach? Come on. Listen, I'm a decent public speaker. I could tone it down. I'm not after anybody's money. I'm all set. I'm good. I'm not after your money. I'm just telling you that if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. That's Malachi 3, 8 through 11. You're robbing God. That's the Bible. So I go, you know what? Should I tithe or not? 
Well, will a man rob God? I don't want to be that guy robbing God. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. I don't want any of that. I'm scared of God. I'm scared. I'm scared of God. I'm not afraid to say you shouldn't be like that. Who told you that? Who told you that? Why is it that everybody's fine with, with you have a great, how many of you have had a great dad? How many of you had a great dad in your life? Okay, now let me ask you this. And answer honestly and answer out loud. Were you scared of him? Yeah. yeah. Me too. Who knows what would happen all day long when it was me, my sister, and my mom? Free for all. Until she invoked my father's name. I'm going to tell your father when he gets home that I was an angel. Angelic music was playing. I blessed my sister. I blessed. Is there anything that I can do for you today? She's like a cold drink, a foot massage, anything you want. So that when Big Chuck comes home and he's a big man, I want to know he had forearms the size of tree trunks. I wanted nothing to do with that. So why is everybody, why is it antithetical to the modern church to say that you're scared of God? You should be scared of God. Am I saying that you live in, 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 in stark terror all day long? No, you run the gamut. If you're living in sin right now, live in stark terror. That's what I do. Whenever I've fallen into sin, I don't go to bed at night until I got it right. I ain't dying in that. You're like, you live, you're, you're a works-based guy. No, I'm a Bible-based guy. I know what the Bible says about sin. If you deliberately keep on sinning, after you have received the knowledge of the truth, I believe that we've received that, correct, if you're saved? Amen. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Amen. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. You know what that verse follows? Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Amen. Strange how that works, isn't it? Your first step to sin is to stop attending church. You should never miss. You're talking about being religious? Yep. Religion means repetition. That's all it means. You should rep coming to church. You should never miss. It shouldn't be an option. It's obviously very optional in here. Not for those of you that are in here. Lots of empty purple chairs. Optional for a lot of people. Quiet. See how quiet it gets? Because, some, because for some of you, it's optional. We got an A, B, and C team. We always had that here at Foundation Church, no matter what size we were. When we were 14 people, we had an A, B, and C team. When we were 100 people, same thing. 500 people, same thing. Where we are now, same thing. There's an A, B, and C team. People at A team shows up every Sunday, never misses. I know who you are. I know who you are. The B team shows up twice a month. C team shows up whenever they want all of which consider themselves to be full-fledged attenders at Foundation Church. Not so. Not so. You know who asked for the most? I think it's the A's or the B's or the C's. Who asks for the most? Of course. That's, the, that's our modern culture. Does the least expects the most. Is that not our culture too? Work for, want money for nothing? And their chicks for free? 
1980s hit, Dire Straits. It's the culture we live in. You gotta, you gotta, listen, we need to be going against the culture, restraining the culture, not cooperating with it, not accommodating it. Well, we just want everybody to know here at Foundation Church that you are loved, and whatever pronouns you want us to say, we'll say. Whatever you, whatever you don't want to be called sin, we won't. No, you do the exact opposite. Otherwise, you, won't re- you will not recognize the devil for long. You won't recognize him. Because you're one with him. You don't lie to people in the name of Jesus. You don't tell people they're okay when they're not. You don't sign them up to work the door when they're living with their girlfriend. Oh, it just sounds so religious. Does it seem evil to you to serve the Lord? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? Everybody knows that verse. That's not the verse. Verse starts off with, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Does it seem evil when I say to you that, you know what, I'm not going to allow a fornicator to work the door at Foundation Church? That sounds religious and pious. No, it's the Bible. What do you do with a new convert? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. What do you do? Not a new convert. Let's being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Let alone an unrepentant sinner. You don't sign them up to be a greeter. You don't put them in the drum booth. You don't have them play lead guitar or lead worship or be part of the choir. You preach the word to them. Well, they could leave. Well, did that not happen in the Bible? Why is everything predicated on not letting people leave? John 6, 53 through 67, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Jesus died alone on the cross. Everybody left. They all left the church. John, Peter, they all left. And everything's predicated on nobody leaving. Pastor Rodney was telling a story the other night when I was there. It was Wednesday or Friday. There was a, he was preaching in a service, and the pastor's wife, I don't know if it was the pastor's wife, but a pastor's wife, got up went to the back of the church, flipped him the bird, and threw her tithe on the ground because she wasn't going to miss paying her tithe. And a lot of you would think, that right there delegitimizes my Christianity. Wrong. Did that not happen to Jesus? They put him on a cross, and you think that Christians not liking you delegitimizes your walk with God? Where's the power at? With that woman or Rodney? Where's the power at? All these COVID-caving churches are with us. We're the ones melting tumors. They're not doing any of that. They can't take the sniffles. Here come the sniffles. Close the church. It's, and whenever it's illogical or nonsensical, understand something that there is a nefarious motive behind it. If it makes absolutely no sense to you, then there's a nefarious motive behind it. We're going to stop transmission using a vaccine that doesn't stop transmission. Nefarious motive if they're mandating it. 
You have somebody that says, you know what? I'm a pro-choice, gun-grabbing, pro-homosexual marriage conservative. <laughs> How? If you don't adopt the platform, then there's a nefarious motive for you using the name. It's the same thing with Christianity. I'm a Christian. I'm an adulterer and a bold-faced liar. And I attend the World Economic Forum every year, and I'm proliferating vaccine mandates around the globe, vaccine passports, but I'm a Christian. No, you haven't adopted the platform. So there's a nefarious motive to you, to you taking on the name. You're trying to infiltrate, you're trying to delegitimize the platform. So being the restraining is not just about saying no, it's about saying yes. So being the restraining is not just about not doing things, it's about doing things. Matthew 9, 35, what did Jesus do? Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing everyone who was sick, healing, and, healing, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Not some. Everyone, have you ever been defeated in that? I have. See, I don't, listen, I don't beat around the bush. I've gone and prayed for people and they were not, oh no, they were made well as they entered in the pearly gates. Failure? Quiet right there. The left one, dead silent over here. How, how could you call that a failure, Tom? Because that's what the Bible says. I'll read it to you in a minute. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You don't have to go up to somebody who doesn't want to be made well. There's lots of those, by the way. A lot of people don't want to be made well because then they'll lose their sympathy. They'd rather be sick. They want their government check. They're on disability, so they don't want to be healed. That's an absolute fact, by the way. For me, I don't care what it is. If I feel a tiny pain... At the bottom of my small toe, underneath, and it's the size of a pin needle, I pray. Gone? Thank you, I'm healed. I don't want none of it. Not a bit. And see, this will offend people because if people have lost relatives, which by the way, I have. People I prayed, not people, a person I prayed over. Hope and I laid hands on my father at stage four lung cancer. Laid hands on him. He went to get the, that scan. What's it called? PET scan. He went to get a PET scan. Is Natalie in here? I always can default to Natalie whenever she's at. There she is. Thank you. I always like to use her for medical terms so I don't sound like an ignoramus. <laughs> or my favorite term, term ignoranus. But anyway... Um, <laughs> Women are from Mars, men are from Venus, or men are, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, every other sex comes from Uranus. <laughs> Credit, Pastor Rodney Ira Brown. Why do you talk about him? He's my pastor. Jonathan Shuttlesworth's my evangelist. Those are my guys, that's why I talk about him. So I prayed over my father. Hope and I both had laid hands on him. He went in for the PET scan at stage four lung cancer, all gone. All gone. Now, hold on. It's not, a good, it's not a good ending. But that was good. Right? Gone. Problem is, he didn't commit himself to the word and went and sat amongst the false prophets. 
Oh, you need you to accept reality. Accept reality. There ain't a tumor in your body. That's reality. You're a cancer patient for life. No, you're not. I tell my mother all the time, don't let anybody talk you into being old. My mother is very vibrant, walking around I me. Mean, she's 77, just turned 77. You wouldn't tell that. You wouldn't be able to tell at all. I'm telling, I mean, every day, walking, doing. Don't let anybody talk you into being old because there is somebody in her life that will talk her into being old. You're not old. 77? So you got 23 years on this side, 20 on the other. You got, you got 43 years until you're 120. My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be, shall be, shall be 120 years. Amen. Oh, I'm already old. Well, reverse it. That's Genesis 6-3, by the way. Reverse it. That's not possible. Oh, I thought all things were possible to those who believe. It's all Bible. 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 Reverse that aging. Talk to it. Don't believe the AMA. Americans die at the average age of death of COVID, 79. The average age of death in America, 77. You're better off with COVID. <laughs> According to the average age of death. People are walking around in cultures that honor their father and mother because that's part of the Ten Commandments. There's another do. Oh, it's not do's and don'ts. No, you're adult. They're walking around in cultures that honor their father and mother at 114, walking to the McDonald's, <laughs> driving their cars. You know Dick Van Dyke's still alive? You ever seen him? Looks great. Tooling around Hollywood? I thought he was long since dead. He's 96. <laughs> Fully coherent? Everything else is a bold-faced lie. Amen. And you got to look at it and say it's a bold-faced lie. That's part of the restraining. Amen. Lie! Those of you in your 40s, well, I'm getting old. You're, what? Shut up. People always, people always coming up to me and saying so. Well, you know, age has its consequences. That's what, if that's what you want, go right ahead. I go once again. What do I do? Default to the Bible. Deuteronomy 34.7. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. That's where I go. Well, my strength's already gone. We'll start talking to your strength. God doesn't want you with a cane. God doesn't want you with a limp. God doesn't want you to get old before your time. Talk to it. You're like, do you do that, Tom? Absolutely. People catch me all the time. What are you doing right now? I'm praying. Hope's like, what are you praying right now? What are you praying? She wants to agree with me. Two or more agree. She'll see me over there. I'm driving down the road. Hands are always moving. I'm praying. Something comes up I don't like, I pray over it right now. I don't let it sit around and start smelling. Some of you guys let things fester, don't you? I don't know when I'm going to get back to the message. So I just feel things in my spirit, and I talk to you about them. Do you let things fester in your life? You know that you're supposed to apologize, and you don't? Man, I am getting more like Rodney. <laughs> Maybe that guy should have left. That Hispanic family should have left the church because I was getting more like Rodney. <laughs> Is that you? Why don't you take care of business? Why don't you go say what needs to be said? It's very easy. 
When you've done as many stupid things in your life as I have, you become a master of the apology. I've gone to everybody in my family and said, listen, I sinned. I blew it. Have you? Or do you just let things fester? Well, it's, you know, it's our family tradition just to, to uh, shuffle everything, shove it all under the rug. Yeah, you know what? I, take a dead mouse and shove it under a rug in your house. <laughs> See what happens then. You might want to take care of the problem. Amen. So it's not just about saying no. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's part of the restraining. And they look at us and they say, you know what? There's power over there. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, this is Numbers 12, 6 through 8. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? That's how the world should feel about us. How dare you? I mean, here's the thing. It's not even about how dare you, like, you know, how dare you, you should show respect to the church. We have a cross up. Oh. That didn't mean nothing. Oh, who cares? They should be like, those people are powerful. Powerful. We will not walk in their midst. If they, if they lined up, I was talking to Hope about this. In regards to, to Pastor Rodney, he talks about, if they ever come with a firing squad, let them come. I said they'd all be dead before they ever got to you. God would kill them all. You can't walk in there, and you can't walk in here without sensing the power of God. They're scared, and they should be scared. There's people in here right now who are scared because you're hearing the word of God for the first time in a decade. It's confrontational. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder and soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. They should be scared of us. And by the way, they are and they will be even more. Because we are rising. I don't know what's going to happen with all the COVID caving churches. All the progressive churches. I love how they put the word progressive in something. They, they, they describe something that's careening towards hell as progressing. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to all of them, but I know that God is raising up an end times army that the world will fear. Not just because we say no to things, but because we say yes to things. What should you do right now with anything that's happening in the world? Sick the Holy Spirit on them. Get him, Jesus. So Rodney always says, get him, Jesus. Get him, Holy Spirit. I pray specifically over politicians. Get him. 
Expose them. Bring them to the light. Everyone practicing evil hates light, does not come to light, lest their deeds be exposed. John chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus speaking. And look what's happening right now. We've been praying that on the podcast. We've been praying it. And it's getting exposed. Why is Deborah Burks writing a book right now saying that she always knew the vaccines wouldn't stop transmission? She's saying it because she's scared of what's coming her way. Employees, for Natalie and all the healthcare employees, they just won a mega $10 million lawsuit in Chicago. And they all get their jobs back. They all lost their jobs because they used a religious exemption to not take the vaccine. The reason why they wanted them to take the vaccine was so that they wouldn't spread COVID. Using a vaccine that doesn't stop the spread of COVID. So there has to be a nefarious purpose. The nefarious purpose, by the way, is to cordon off all healthcare, all food, all fuel, and that there's only one way to get it. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's the book of Revelation 13, 16, and 17. Tommy, say it every week. You must say it every week right now. Right now in this time, you must quote Revelation 13, 16 through 18 every week. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast and the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate, understand, know the mark of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. That's what it's all about. We're to restrain that. Why do we want to restrain it? For an end times harvest of souls. You just want the Antichrist to come in? A lot of Christians, well, just, you know, just a twig on the river of spiritual life. Why? What are you talking about? And I gave, I gave you the keys to the kingdom of heaven? Who's driving the car? You're driving the car. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. Well, then do something. Do something. Talk to it. I bind you in Jesus' name. I loose you in Jesus' name. Do something. Don't just protest. We're saying no. We're saying no. What does that do? You have to do it, but then take action. Make that your launching pad. My, my son came up to me and said, Tom, uh, Tom uh, Dad. He said, Dad, you need to start a podcast. I'm like, I don't think I can talk that long. <laughs> I did, I said that. I think he laughed the same way you did. <laughs> I'm not going to just sit there. Last night, we're on the Christian Television Network. Tom Lipley, Inglewood, Florida. Cop for 25 years, pushing a police car around from 1992 to 2017. These are strange doors that God opens, isn't it? Amen. He has the same thing for you. It's the same thing for you. He has a divine destiny. The only question will be, will you walk through it? Let me give you this spiel again. I haven't given it to you for two months. Let me give it to you again. How many of you want something to diametrically change in your life? Now, let me try that again. Very good over here. Turd fest over here. Glistening pile of turd fest over here. There's not a soul in this room that doesn't need something to turn around in their life. And I'm a soul that's in this room. 
This applies to me too. If you want something to turn around, how are you going to get it to turn around? You're going to have to do something different. What's, what, what you're currently doing is causing it to perpetuate. So something has to change. How do things change for me? Has, has, it, has there been rudimentary change? Well, here's the thing. The people are still scared to walk in here. People still walk out. But there's a whole lot more people walking in and walking out. You want things to change? Then you have to, you have to allow God to change you. Some of you need to shut up. Some of you need to quit barging in all the time. I'm going to force my will. Yeah, people do that all the time in this church. Good luck. The people who really, listen, I'm the, I am the, the lion over the pride. If there's a problem, they come to me. If it's a serious people problem, then I'll extinguish the serious people problem. But on the whole, the, the workings, the inner workings of this church is hope and Heather and and Aaron, really, but Aaron's more like me. He just does what he does. But really, the inner workings of it, you're not going to brawl over those people. Yeah. Well, we're going to do what we want to do, and we're going to show them. We'll ask, we're going to do now and ask for forgiveness later. You won't get the opportunity to ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> we'll just cut you off. That's not very loving. It's exactly loving because everybody's been enabling you for all these years, and now you're 60 years old, and you're a spoiled, rotten brat who thinks every time you force your way through the door, people are going to accommodate you. Well, you have found the restraining. <laughs> you should love that. You see the facial expressions I'm seeing. I can tell the people who are broken and contrite and the people who aren't. You're going to go force your way into another church, and they're so desperate for people, especially since they closed for COVID, and they used to be 600, and now they're 60. Now they'll take anything. We're going to come in and take over. Okay. You need somebody to stand up to you. And it doesn't matter if you do it with a smile on your face either. We're just here to serve. No, you're not. You're here to serve you. You're welcome. I'm just telling you. If you want things to turn around, you have to go the opposite direction. What did I do? People ask, what did you do? Everything that was uncomfortable. Everything I hated. I preached against Rod, not by name, but I preached against Rodney Howard Brown for my entire ministry. Actually, it was my entire misery. I was in the, in the misery, not the ministry. I don't even know if I'd still be pastoring right now if I wouldn't have met the man. Seriously. I'm not somebody, a lot of, a lot of pastors need people. You gotta be around people. I'm exactly the opposite. But I did the exact opposite of everything. That, it's, it's the Costanza principle. If everything that I thought was right is wrong, then everything that I thought was wrong is right. If every one of my instincts has led me to misery, then all of my instincts are wrong. So what did I do? Everything that made me uncomfortable. First day of the stand. I believe it was late May of 2020. First day of the stand in Tampa. What did I do? 
I took my entire church up there. I'd never even been in a river church service. Preached against them. Now again, not by name, but preached against them. Oh, come on, people need, come on, you don't need to be touched by God. And you always a Bible? Yeah, Kenneth Hagin, Bible thumper, Andrew Walmack believed in healing. I stood in the word, hellfire and brimstone, but I just didn't believe in being touched by God. I'm like, just receive, just knock it off, no dramatics. So I bring my old church up there. You want to talk about rolling the dice? We're all up there in our foundation church shirts, 5,000 degrees, standing there. I bring my lawn chair. Yeah, no umbrellas, nothing. Yeah, nothing. And I was too stupid to bring an umbrella. I did bring sunscreen. Caked that bad boy on. I was about to die right there. Die on the AstroTurf. Pastor Rodney walks up to me, gives me a hug. The whole church is there. I look to my left after he walks away, and there's some woman just convulsing in a chair. And I'm going, oh, I said this out loud. Oh, boy. I went, oh, boy. I went. And I said to myself, well, it's over now. So there's nothing I can do now. I'm kind of scared of flying. So every time I fly, once I get up there in 30,000 feet, I'm just like, ain't nothing I can do now, so why worry about it? So that's what, I mean, right there. And then I said, you know what? I never believed in ministries tithing to ministries. Tom, how can you say that? I'm saying it. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you to straighten up and then me stay bent. It'd be like me telling you to eat broccoli. Look at me. Where's your health? I'm not going to tell you to do something that I'm not doing. So you ran your whole ministry and you never tithed your ministry into another ministry? No, I didn't believe in it. Until God told me to do it. So I tith- we tithe 10% of everything that comes into my ministry, which is a, is a ton of money now. Has it all changed once you do God tells you to what once you do what God tells you to do? And my wife's a lunatic, so she never just gives 10%. She always rounds it up off the roundup to the roundup to the nth degree roundup. So 10% of everything that comes into my ministry goes to Pastor Rodney and Jonathan, who gave me everything that I have. That goes to them. Now, what happened the moment that I did that? We used to average, in this church, we averaged $2,000 to $4,000 a week in tithe. What was it when we came in here today, to this point? 33000 We haven't even taken the Sunday offering yet. That's what God does. That's what God does. A lot of people haven't even given yet. We're never under $40,000 a week. He did that in two years. What did I do over 16 years? Squat. I did it my way, though. So if you want things to change, you're going to have to enter into the supernatural. And God's going to make you squirm. Just like he did me. I'm used to it now. I'm in all these river services all the time now. I'm completely used to it. I had Pastor Rodney come up to me on Friday. 
and stare at me. For how long? It was a solid five, about five minutes. He just came up to me and went like this. And I'm just like. You know why? He's trying to break through. He's trying to propel me to another level. Because he knows that he's my pastor. And he's like, you know what? I want you to get to another level. He's very passionate about Northport, Florida, because he had a church down here at one time. You know what they told him to do? We're not going to do what you tell us to do anymore. And it folded and went down. You're like, you know, you're going to tell us that we're going to, no, we're going to be like the river? No. I don't, I don't try to imitate another man's anointing. That's the stupidest thing you can do. There's nobody on earth closer to Rodney Howard Brown than Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And you watch Revival Today Church when you get home today. It's nothing like the river. It's just like us. But you do what God tells you to do, and it may make you squirm, and it will be uncomfortable, and you will see everything turn around. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, the good thing about the baptismal service today, for some reason, our worship was actually shorter. So I'm able to preach longer. We're not getting out early. It's 1147. It's 1147. We'll be out of here at 1215, so everybody stay with me. That's a whole closing and everything. Out those big brown doors at 12.15. So you've got 27 minutes to go. Everybody with me? That's everything. That's closing. That's praying. That's everything. So stay with me. Amen? And I say this again. When I got saved, I was raised in the Catholic Church, and our services were about 38 minutes long. And I thought it was the longest thing on the planet. Now I sit in six-hour services that seem like 30 minutes. But a lot of us, you know, we're everybody's on some sort of clock all the time. And we forget. When I, when I got saved, I ended up going to the Assembly of God Church in, in Orlando because I was going to UCF at the time. And the services were minimum of two hours and 45 minutes, oftentimes 3.15. The sermon didn't even start until the hour and 45-minute mark, right where we are now. Didn't even, this is when the choir stopped singing. The offering had been taken and all that. So everybody needs to kick back and absorb the word of God this morning. There's nobody hungrier in here than me. <laughs> telling you. Dadgum starving right now. I don't eat a big meal before I come in here because I don't want to look fatter than I already am by being bloated. So I have like a little zone bar, and that's it. Zone bar and water. It's like a meal for a prisoner. That's what I have. I take care of that, though, at about 2 o'clock this afternoon. It's quite the sight. Mm -mm. Hebrews 6.1. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So we're supposed to go next level, right? Next level. So what happened? Let's discuss this. What happened between the failure of Matthew chapter 17? What was that failure? 
Jesus said to them in Matthew 17, 17, now this is where they could not drive out the spirit. They could not drive out the demon from the boy, right? They couldn't do it. So Jesus responds to them with, you know what? We have a struggling with belief Bible hub Bible study for everybody to attend where we're going to pat you on the head and serve cafe lattes. What did Jesus say to his, not the unbelievers, what did Jesus say to the disciples after they could not drive out the spirit? What did he say to them? Here's, here's the quote. You unbelieving and perverse, perverted generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me, and he drove out the spirit himself. Jesus would be thrown out of every church by their pastoral accountability board because he talks like that. He saw all those people last week, they just picked up their stuff, started scooting out the back door. What are you running from? It's Bible verses. What are you afraid of? It's Bible verses. I thought you were a Christian. It's the Bible verses. That's what it says. Don't you, don't you want what God wants for you? Then you have, to, you have to go ahead and acknowledge and receive his word. Otherwise, it's just you're just living according to your own carnal mind. That's hostile toward God. Romans 8, 7, and 8, 8. The disciples then, starting in verse 19, Matthew 17, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will, not you can, you will say to this mountain, move here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Amen. For most Christians, that's mythology. For me, it's pass-fail. Seriously. If I pray over you today, and you are not well, and you remain unwell, I'm going to go, unbelief is in the camp. Is it yours or mine? How dare you say that? Listen, you could, you're better off preaching hellfire and brimstone than you are unbelief. Christians get so offended by that. Why are you offended? That I'm saying the reason why your prayers aren't answered is because of unbelief. Every prayer is answered. Bull crap. They weren't there. So where do you get every prayer is answered? Same place you got, it takes a village. Same place you get, mama ain't happy, whole house ain't happy. How many of you live by those terms? I hear men, Christian men say all the time, you know, happy life, happy wife, happy wife, happy life. I'm not saying don't bless your wife, but if you're scared of her, listen. I'm trying to help you. I love my wife, and she's no shrinking violet. Do you know her? You're like, you must have married a really just naturally submissive woman. And you know how many times I've had to tell my wife, you know what? Your opinion doesn't have to be aired every, down, every single time. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to get your words in every time. Combative, competitive. I'm not scared of her. Are you? If you are, listen, the bathrooms are right over here through that door. 
Go in there, pick a stall. Don't do it in front of everybody. Hike your pants down and see if they're still there. Because if they're still there, there's hope. Honor your wife. Don't be scared of her. You're welcome. And for your ladies, just because your husband's a reprobate doesn't mean you have to be in the name of submission. You don't submit to the reprobate, to the reprobate mind or reprobate activities. He doesn't go to church, what do you do? Go to church and bring all the kids with you. He doesn't tithe, you tithe. Well, he's the one who makes the money. Whatever you make, you tithe off of it. And watch yourself become, watch yourself make more money than him. You'll do, you'll do almost nothing and make more money than him as long as you tithe. You can send pictures of your teeth on the internet and make money. Bunch of teeth fetish perverts out there. You probably just rake it in. See, I told you, whatever comes in the mind. <laughs> Sit down, woman. <laughs> I know her. It's all right. It's, nice. it's a good friend of mine. Close friend of mine. Don't worry. You're like, I ain't never coming back. He's mean to people. He tells people to go in the bathroom and check and see. Uh, yeah, I know. I do. I do. That's the truth, though. What you do is what the Word of God says. If it's unbelief, it's unbelief. That's it. Now, what do you do about it? Change it. So there's the failure. Now let's look at the success, and then we'll look at how to get to the successful moment in closing. Acts 3, 6 through 8. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He said to the paralytic man, rise up and walk. What happened? And he took him by the right hand, took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. Same man, same activity, very different results. What, what changed? He did something. It, 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 everybody thinks things are just going to happen. Stop believing that. You have to take action. You're not saved unless you receive it. You have to take action. It's not just going to happen. People think that the will of God is unfolding no matter what they do. That's not true. The will of God is not unfolding in your life. Unless you are taking action and standing in the word of God. Most Christians, because they do not pray, they do not study the word of God, they're hit or miss with church. They don't even know the doors that are opening all around them because they're too blind to see them. It's called revelation. And people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. 
They don't have any clue about what's, God is opening up doors. People think that they're living in the perfect will of God because the perfect will of God can never be denied. That's not true. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And the same God says, narrow is the way if you find it. So how is God's perfect will being unfolded in everybody's life if they're not doing that which they're called to do? It's not. You have to do things. So what happened? Was that the perfect will of God? That Jesus calls you an unbelieving pervert? Oh, praise God. Call me a pervert again. Bless me. Thank you, Lord. What other names do you have for me, Jesus? Jesus, thank you. You have to take action. It's not hard. We, there's not a whole lot of laborious activity that has to take place. It'll just be the hardest thing you've ever done. Because you will have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. A lot of Christians don't think that applies to them because you're a nice person. You're, you're even a solid Christian. You, you've, turned, you've turned your back on sin. But still, the perfect will of God is not unfolding because there's things that are missing. Because they're uncomfortable for you. What is it? I don't know. You know. I knew. I told you the story just a second ago. I knew. You will call Pastor Rodney Howard Brown your pastor. God, are you crazy? I drove by that church on my way back and forth to Tampa, back and forth to Orlando 800 times, and would always look over there and say, Certain, I'm so glad I don't go to that crazy church. I'll be there tonight. <laughs> So what happened? Closing with this, 11.59, 16 minutes to go. Acts 1.8, here's what happened. Notice the difference. Matthew 17, Acts chapter 3, Acts 1.8 in between. What happened? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? Something happened. Now, what if they wouldn't have stayed in the upper room and waited? They took action. Well, the perfect will of God will always unfold. Not true. The word of God tells you that's not true. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? The will of God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Enter ye in at the straight gate, so you have to enter. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Set Matthew 7, 13 and 14. So the word of God tells you that the will of God will not unfold in your life unless you do what you are told to do. Always blows my mind how people just think. As I run into them all the time, these Christians who think they have the perfect life, you don't. Just because you have the perfect American life does not mean you are living in the Word of God. You don't even know what an open door is. Because you're not interested. You got your, mini, you got your minivan, fruit roll-ups, juice boxes, and soccer practices. And that's your whole life. Bless you. But there's no room for God. But there was in Peter's life. So he went from failure 
to victory. John 1, 33. Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You can be baptized with the Holy Spirit, by the way, and still fail. There's all kinds of Christians that are disobedient but speak in tongues. I'm not even saying necessarily disobedient unto sin. They're just disobedient. They speak in tongues, and they're a constant problem inside the church. You're welcome. There's some things I want to say right now, but I'm not going to say them. It wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to get done with it, so I'm going to get done right here. I'm going to just say this. <laughs> There's just a lot. See, I've been in the church since 1987, the Pentecostal church since 1987. Got saved at Inglewood Church of God in 1987. And then went to Venice Assembly of God. Went to uh, Faith Assembly of God. Whatever. I've been saved for a long, long time. And I can tell you there's a whole lot of tongue-talking Christians. That's all they do. There's no healing. They're not bringing anybody to church. They don't save anybody. They're not prospering. So they're tongue-talking, but they're not obedient. There's Christians, we, we find people, you know, we put up, you see these stanchions around here? These like ropes that we put up, like you're not supposed to go in there? Yeah. <laughs> if there's a stanchion up, you know what that means? You don't go in there. If there's a stanchion up, that means you don't go in there. Why do, why do we do that? Because a lot of times, because there's, this church is under construction. What you're seeing is a mirage. This church was in complete disrepair, and we're repairing it section by section. Put $700,000 into this church. That's not our down payment. We put a down, our down payment was $750,000. We put seven hundred dollars in the church since then, so we're $1.4 million into the building already. But, you know, we have those things stanchioned off so that people don't go in there and step on nails. There's, there's parts of the church where the, where the false ceiling comes down because it's been rained on. There's reasons why we see people walk around them. You're filled with the Holy Ghost, but you're dumb. When I'm at, whenever I'm at this church or any other church, I never would think about it. We have people that wander through our offices. Hello. <laughs> what if I got a note on the desk that I wrote that's bad mouthing you and now you're going to see it? <laughs> I hate Bill. <laughs> it's private. No sense at all. You shouldn't be 58 and have no sense. So why do I keep running into you? Doesn't mean I don't love you. I love you enough to tell you. I love you more than the person who won't tell you. Because irritation is not how you win people to the gospel. Being annoying is not a ministry. It's not a five-fold ministry. He gave some to be a pa pastor's. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and annoying people. 
I'm trying to help you. I want you to survive. You won't survive here if you're annoying. You're like, well, who cares? There's many, a lot of other churches. Another end. You may think this is prideful or arrogant. You go, I, I invite you to. Watch them on TV. I even invite you. This is very risky. Most pastors will never say this. Go to another one. See if you sense any power in that place. Well, go in there. Go Try another church. I would love to name names right now, but God won't let me. I used to. He won't let me right now. There's a, there's a restraining. He won't let me. There, I was dropping bombs a year ago. So what happened between the failure and the success? Matthew 3, 11 and 12. I indeed baptize you with water, John the Baptist talking, under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Do you want that? Yeah, but he'll burn everything to the ground. You can just be a tongue talker if you want. Or you let the Holy Ghost in, and that's the difference between Matthew, I'm done, I'm already done preaching. That's the difference between Matthew 17 and Acts 3, 6 through 8, is the Holy Ghost. He'll burn it to the ground. You know that all sin will either be eradicated or burned? It's the fire of God. It will either be, what's the next part of that verse? Matthew 3, 11, well, second, second verse, Matthew 3, 11 and 12. You want to know about sin? Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Uncle, good guy, you know, he's, he's a good Christian guy, you know. I mean, he, he cusses, swears, gets drunk every Friday night, but he loves Jesus, and he loves America. He's got his Trump flag up. He's going to die and go straight to hell. Sin is either burned or eradicated. That's it. That's the Bible. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. 2 Peter 3, 10 and 11. Nobody preached that anymore. It's still there, though. It's because you ain't preaching it. Doesn't mean you're not going to be held accountable to it. I invite you into the next level. Seven minutes to go. Worship team, make your way. I invite you to the next level. Now, if you need healing in your body, or if you want the Holy Ghost with fire, you say, you know what, Holy Ghost, you come in and you burn up the chaff. Burn it up, Lord. You're willing, just don't say, I, I, listen, you have, to be, you have to speak with tongues, that's for sure. Acts chapter 19, 1 through 7. Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17. They spoke with tongues when they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And I love speaking tongues, speaking tongues every day of my life. Every day, during the whole time we were baptizing up here, I was speaking in tongues. Love it. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Love tongue talking. But it's only beginning, that's the launching pad. Then the fire comes in. And it's not just fire that eradicates and takes things away. It's fire that comes through you. The devil's scared of the fire. They're all being tossed in it. 
And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Devil isn't even in the lake of fire yet. He's about to be. Sin is either burned or eradicated. You want the fire of God on the inside of you. It'll change your life. It'll change every. Will people be nervous around you? Yes, they were nervous around Jesus. That's why they pinned him to a cross. But you will raise the dead. That fire raises the dead. That power of the Holy Ghost raises the dead. Gives sight to the blind. Sets you free. Removes your depression removes your anxiety, removes the devil, sets you free. The only question is, do you want Matthew 17? All of them were going to heaven. Or do you want Acts chapter 3? I didn't even get to all the other stuff in Acts chapter 2. Thousands were added to their, to their numbers daily. That's us if we want the fire. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person are watching online that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.